0: Welcome to Why In The World. My name is Ben Shepard. Hey, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do click on that subscribe button. Give us a positive rating and a review as well. A lot of you enjoyed the Pip Stewart episode from last week. If you haven't heard that yet, you can go back and catch up on that episode and all previous episodes as well. Today on the podcast, a man that describes himself as an adventure journalist, a former captain in the British Army, and a guy that's done it all when it comes to endurance challenges. His name is Tobias Muse, and he is on Why in the World. So, this is a bit of a different one this week. I'm sat in a studio in Chester, and uh, we've got Tobias Muse, who is out sitting in his lovely house in the middle of the Pyrenees. Hello, mate. Hi. (laughs) Actually, I tell you
1: what, today it is about 15 degrees, the sun is out, uh, the mountains are glistening, not with as much snow as I'd like, because sadly, uh, it's been unseasonably hot and therefore the snow has been melting um, but it is one of those days where you go yeah I'm quite glad to be over here not in, a,
0: in an overcast gloomy UK. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get you on because um, I've been following you for a little bit online and been seeing some of the amazing things that you've done over the past few years but I also wanted to speak to you because um, you didn't actually start running until you were about 28 years old. Yeah that's about right. What was it that got you into it to start with? I tell you what, the 1st I think the first run
1: I ever went on was actually younger than 28, more around the age of 21. And I was getting pretty porky because I just started university <laughs> and everybody does. And so I went out and bought one of those MIDI uh, players. What are they called? There's, it's not like a CD player, but smaller. Yeah, anyway, I got one of those. It's brand new. I was very pleased with myself. Plugged myself in. I was living in the centre of London. And I was sort of busy high street in St. John's Wood. And I popped out my door and I was running for about... Uh, two minutes, and and then I tripped over a pavement slab, and my uh, new uh, whatever the thing is called an MD player, whatever it is, I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> anyway, flew out of my hands and skittered, it was metal, skittered down the street. And I literally, the, the pavement was so tiny, the slab, it was just pathetic. And then my knees became uh, a gangled mess. And, and that was the end of my run. And I don't think I ran again until the age of 25.
0: Not the best start <laughs> to run in. Not the best start. And no. But then like flash forward to now and you've completed over 200 races right across the world which is just incredible and looking at some of the things that you've done it is mind boggling like the list of things you've done firstly where do you put all your finishing t-shirts and secondly (laughs) like the amount of medals that you must have it must be like a wind chime somewhere it's mind-blowing like looking back at 25 year old you that has gone back out for a run would you have ever believed that you'd be in this position now
1: God no! At 25, I joined the army, and I was uh, standing on parade for the first time in my life, about to do uh, a series of kind of you know, marching manoeuvres, which I found rather, rather hysterical. I kept on thinking of Dad's army. And I was standing <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a boiler suit, uh, essentially, in the poppers. Uh, I kind of stood to attention for the, for the first time ever in my life, and the poppers all like burst open. It was like a cartoon. It was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, and then off we off we strove, you know, arms arms wave, waving madly as we tried to keep in step and. And I remember going into doing the fitness test, which was a few days later. And I was, you know, I literally had not been running. I got into the army by, by the, you know, see to my pants basically because they said to me I was too unfit, and uh, and they'd only let me in because uh, I had some character. So and they thought they, they saw promise in me. <laughs> so so yeah. So anyway, I was really worried about this fitness test, and I did it. And I kind of, I slightly coasted. I was a bit worried about what it would feel like to be in kind of uncomfortable should we say and anyway i kind of middle it came sort of middle of the pack and and then I still never really kind of fast forward, you know, a year of Sandhurst. And I was pretty good. I joined a cross-country team. But I remember a guy telling me, uh, the, the, the sort of major in charge of cross-country, said to me, "Ah, oh, you know, you, you're okay, but you're, you'll never be a runner. You're not really a runner. Oh. And so I kind of thought, well, you know, fine, all right. Uh, and then, uh, and then yeah, I was doing okay. I still got my, my, my colors from Sandhurst. But I wasn't like anything spectacular. I wasn't winning. I was just doing okay. But then when I joined the army afterwards, when I joined my unit, I quickly discovered that I could mask any military incompetence that I had uh, through being fit. Because, you know, your men respect you on on your ability to stay ahead of them. And if you're seen lagging behind as the kind of... uh, you know, the fat one behind them, then they, they won't respect you. So I just basically realized that if I wanted to prove myself to them, I had to become fitter. And that was my motivation to kind of really ignore that that that, that guy at Sandhurst who said I couldn't run and decided to get really fit. But I still never really called myself a runner. Uh, I think when I did my first marathon in 20, uh, 2005 in London, I think I was the only person to have actually gained weight before the race um i i <laughs> and i was talking about this the other day with my wife and i said i don't really understand and she said well what were you eating And i was well, i was kind of having a you know a full english breakfast every morning well, that's, probably that's probably why it's probably why yeah i
0: cooked meal at lunch and a three-course meal in the evening maybe if you look back at it now that could have just been carb loading for the over 200 races that you've done to date I, I would like to say I have this I have this
1: theory that my slow beginnings and my <laughs> I should say my late beginnings allowed me to build up a sufficient base that stops me getting injured and hasn't caused me to quite burn out yet. Not just that's yet. My, that's my theory yeah although I did lose, I have I have lost my running mojo on a number of occasions it just happens you know when you when you kind of reach that place where you go what do I do now and then you can't think of what it's next and you just kind of stop, basically.
0: I mean, it's taken you some amazing places running, just looking through some of the stuff that you've done. You've run through jungles. You've been to the Norseman Triathlon, which is an unbelievable triathlon. You've done the MDS a few times. Talk to me about like some of the places you've been and running has taken you.
1: See, I have this theory now that... Uh, I, I'm very lucky. I should go back a stage. I'm very lucky. A lot of these races I've done it, uh, as a journalist and and therefore, um, you know, I've been invited to them. They've been paid for. But my, my write-ups, my reviews of them have been my own uh, personal thoughts. And it was an obsession. It was running for me and cycling and triathlons and all that it was just an obsession. And I therefore did these races um, as a journalist, because I knew that if I was just like having a normal job, uh, you know, I'd never be able to afford to do them. Mm. So therefore, it was a means to kind of, uh, should we say, satisfy my my, my passion. And, and therefore, as a result of the fact that I could run reasonably well and I could write about it in, in various uh, media outlets, that gave me the opportunity to go to places that otherwise I probably wouldn't have been able to go to and so uh when someone says to me hey would you like to go and do uh you know a mountain bike race across the south african uh you know western cape i'll go yep uh, and even if i can't mountain <laughs> bike i'll figure out how to do it you know and uh so so you know the very beginning uh the, like, the first three years from like 1998 no sorry 2008 to about 2011 were kind of all my own uh races paid for by me and and kind of uh, just my hobby and then from 2011 onwards it became more of a kind of hobby job so the, the, I mean that's when suddenly I got offered you know to go to places like the jungle in the, in Peru or go uh, and do adventure races across New Zealand called the God Zone or you know the, these kind of opportunities came about as a result of of, of my work um, but uh, you know when I kind of look back and if someone said to me what's the kind of most exotic place you've ever been to I'd probably say Wales uh would be <laughs> would be the answer uh, Wales Where... is not exotic oh it so is it so is I, I i had my mind completely i did a race called the dragon's back race which oh yeah okay
0: a yeah i know and the i tell race. you what I,
1: I i was like an alien landing on a new planet just and explain the was... dragon's
0: back to everybody if they don't know
1: so it's a self-flagellation basically with the force of five days it's, uh, <laughs> it's a it's uh it's a sort of fell running race on steroids with uh with uh, a slap of uh you know a couple of whatever i don't even know how you take speed these days but, um, <laughs> but uh, however you do it it's it's a it's a, it's a combination of speed and and, and steroids uh, uh and fell running and 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 a map and a compass and and uh, and the mountainous spine of wales and it's just savage it's savage, uh, savage. yeah he has no other way to describe it it's five days of of pure unadulterated running uh but with no route, uh you make your route, you just have checkpoints to go via. Uh it's it's a good ten or eleven hours a day. Um it's two hundred miles, sixteen thousand meters of vertical gain. Um, and, and, and most of it's unrunnable you know you're following sheep trots you know the little little tiny tracks that sheep make I mean and half the time you're, you're always like on a, on a on a on a you're never flat you're kind of either going up or down or you're on a camber so you've got one foot lower than the other Um the, the recipe for disaster and injury is 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 always high mm. uh, and uh, but it's it, honestly what a, <laughs> I never knew that Britain could be quite so savage uh, and so Wales is my most exotic location I'd probably say second to that would be somewhere like Somewhere like uh, I think probably the, the Amazonian jungle. I think I think that's yeah. Going to be I
0: can't of- believe Wales has topped the Amazonian jungle over that to, <laughs> to be the most exotic. I mean, as a Welshman, we'll take it. We'll definitely take it. As you're doing them, I mean, I've done a few endurance things in my life, and during every single race, I think to myself, "Why the hell are you back here? Why are you doing it again?" Do you still get those moments after doing so many? Do you think like uh- why? Why have you signed up again for something like this, Tobias? Why are you doing this? I do it constantly.
1: About normally, normally it happens when I anything less than a marathon, I'm not too concerned with. I see that a bit as like a like a five k now, but the anything beyond that, so like. Uh, I was doing I, I, Gosh, I mean, it happens all the time. I, I constantly say, why didn't I do the half distance, whatever it is? You know, <laughs> if it's a hundred mile, why didn't I do the fifty mile? Why did I have to do the biggest? I have this sort of FOMO thing going on where I, I just feel I have to do the biggest and the brightest and the best because otherwise I'm setting myself short. And uh, and it, you know, if if a race calls itself, you know, it's like the UTMB. If a race calls itself the UTMB, despite the fact there are you know, five or six other races you can choose from, you do the one that it's called. You know, not the other one. Otherwise, it becomes confusing. So, so that's, so yeah, so I'm constantly living in some degree of regret. And um...
0: (laughs) that's such a brilliant, I mean, as a soundbite from an ultra athlete, I constantly live in regret. It's wonderful. I mean, a wonderful (laughs) soundbite there. Sadly true. Yeah. So talk to me about some of your highlights there, mate, because obviously you've done so many races over so many countries. Are there things and moments that stand out to you?
1: completely i mean i think the the thing is i think our, our minds are like an elastic band and we we stretch them we stretch them and stretch them and every time we stretch them the elasticity becomes a little bit greater you know uh and so therefore you always end up kind of looking for something harder than what you did before mm. um i think for, for me what i i'm really challenged by are, are, are things that take me not just out of my comfort zone physically but mentally challenge me to come up with a new way of preparing for something because the preparation is the fun bit you know um so i'll give you an example uh i'll give you two examples the first example would be uh, a race called the Otelo, which is a swim run uh, uh race across uh, kind of a series of islands in the, in the stockholm archipelago so he's got 26 islands and you swim between them and you run across them and the total distance is 75k broken down into roughly 10k of swimming and 65k of running now, when I tell you, you know, despite that, I've done you know if, if a number of Ironman's, but I'm not a swimmer. I hate the cold and I don't like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, open water swimming is, is scary to me. So that race was was terrifying because I also did it with my, my wife-to-be a week before our wedding. And I'd, I'd kind of asked her, not really expecting her to say yes, but I'd asked if she'd be my partner because this is a two-person race. And for some reason, she said yes. And I don't think she knew, knew what she's letting herself in for. And I, I did. So I sort of, but I couldn't sort of backtrack and go, well, are you sure? And uh, anyway, so I made a rule uh, with myself and with her that we'd never do anything that involved navigating or anything like the like the, OM, the original mountain marathon. That would be like the worst race for our marriage. Um, and I think I think even worse, though, would be technically the, the Otelo because you have to stay together constantly in the water and on land. She's a better swimmer, I'm a better runner. Uh, You know, I figured we'd balance each other out, but you know, being when you're cold, you never let your wife get cold wet, uh, miserable, tired, hungry, thirsty. I mean, like all oh, the rules of marriage went out the window during this race. Um, but somehow we managed to survive. And uh, so, yeah. But the, the fun bit was actually just going down to this lake outside of, of London and training together. And it was like a wonderful excuse not to think about our, our wedmen uh, and just do something that was, far, you know, it was far more pressing to train for our race than organise our wedding. So... <laughs> um so yeah so that was an example of something i really enjoyed doing because there was not much written about it. there was very little press it was about 2014 it was the world championships and no one really knew what to do and then suddenly the next year it boomed and everybody was talking about it and then the second thing i'm like for instance uh next not next month in march early march i'm doing a a totally different type of endurance challenge it's called everest in the alps and uh the premise of it is to climb the height of everest on skis uh, over the course of Whoa. four days so yeah it's pretty pretty gnarly now I, I can ski but I'm not a ski tourer I've once tried on a pair of uh, of uh, of ski ski tourings uh, you know bindings and whatever and I don't even know what the technical words are uh, and so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I just know the skis with <laughs> yeah, funny just... things that you clip into I'm just going to wing this one anyway so I'm going to do this event and when 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 the opportunity came I was like this just sounds wicked because it's like nothing I've done before it's still an endurance challenge but it's four days so it's multi i'd done that but but yeah going uphill that much you know eight thousand whatever it is 400 meters of climbing that's that's a lot on skis
0: i've spoken to a few people on this podcast now about like big challenges pip stewart was on last week and she said that she well she cycled from malaysia back to london and she said the first time she had ridden a bike with everything strapped to it was the first time that she got on the bike to start cycling back to london i think there's something in that naivety Isn't there a little bit like, you know, it's going to hurt. You know, it's going to be difficult. But if I just get into it, I've said I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to have to do it kind of thing.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, it's really important to let everybody know what date you're doing, especially if you're doing something that's kind of not a race, but just a, a you know a DIY challenge. Uh, the, 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 you know, if if you keep it to yourself and you get to that day, it's so easy just to not do it because you just say, "Well, you know, no one's forcing me to do this. No one will know that I haven't done it. There's no accountability." Whereas, you know, that's why people like doing races because there's a certain there's monetary accountability. You know, you have paid for it. Mm. Uh, you know, you're, you've been training for it. Your family knows about it you've probably you know there's a there's an entry you know an entry pack waiting for you um so that's why it's easy but anything that you know like you know what Pip did I mean that's that's nails in fact I did a I did an event the other day uh an event even I I did a, a running pilgrimage from my home <laughs> I kind of again I I had one of these uh sort of moments of I I really want to do something for me and I want to do something to say thank you to what running has brought me personally and professionally but you know m- more importantly personally. So um I live about 10 minutes away from the Camino de Santiago the you know the the Pilgrim's trail. Yeah. And there are lots and lots of routes but I live 10 minutes away from one and about 40 minutes away from another. And um and so I've run kind of portions of it re- regularly because it's kind of on my on my 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 routes but I've always kind of seen these signs saying hey this way to Santiago and I thought that would be so cool just to kind of run to santiago just kind of run for my house and just keep running you know that would, that would be wicked but i didn't have like well i figured it would be at least two weeks to run this 800k to santiago so i kind of thought no i i, I only have like about four days max and i was going to, so um so i looked at san sebastian and it so happened that san sebastian is the what well, saint sebastian is the pilgrim saint of runners and san sebastian is the is the spanish kind of you know name for saint or san anyway so uh so i thought oh, this is rather neat i could i could do a pilgrimage to san sebastian to the pilgrims the pilgrim saint himself uh from my house and uh and that would be much shorter than going to santiago so so yeah and it was only 200k rather than sort of 800 so i thought that sounds much more reasonable i can do that and so i kind of weaved together a a route uh that kind of took me along the camino then took me along the gr10 and back onto the camino and, and finished up and uh so, so yeah, but I didn't have, I had limited time because what my wife is pregnant uh, and she didn't really want me being away too much. Thank you very much. But now we have a child. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so that worked out. So, so, so now my, my pink slips are very limited. So I also knew that I had to squeeze in anything like this before <laughs> baby two arrived. And so, um, so yeah. And the second thing it was my, my daughter's birthday on a Sunday. I had this, this four-day window, and in fact, it was going to be horrendous on the fourth day, and the first three days were going to be okay. So I just thought, right, I'm going to do it tomorrow, and there was a lot of kind of faffing around and trying to think how I'm going to do this and suddenly, you know, booking some last-minute accommodation and uh, pretty much did it the day before and then left. And the amount of faffing I did on the morning that I left. I mean, I, I said, oh, I must, get, I, must, I must take some photos of this. Have I got everything? And I hadn't even, like, run with my pack. I hadn't tested it out. I mean, I'd done all the stuff that I normally do, I had not done. I winged it. I, 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 I thought, yeah, I've done this loads of times. It'll be fine. And anyway, within seconds of me starting off, I was uncomfortable. I'd stopped, and I was rearranging things. I mean, I, I said goodbye to my, my wife and child, God knows how many times. And my mother <laughs> came out, what are you off to? Oh, I'm off to, uh, you know anyway so so yeah so um and then there i went you know running up my lane i wasn't even certain if i was going in the right direction because you kind of know roughly which direction to go in but you can't work out if this is the shortest route and i hadn't thought if i should go left or right anyway but once i'd got going it was very satisfying But no one knew i was going anywhere i mean i i just kind of went kind of Uh, did it for yourself
0: yeah exactly you mentioned there, like you wanted to do it kind of to say thank you almost to what running has given you what has running given you god what hasn't it given
1: me uh it, i've god i've seen dozens and dozens of countries it's allowed me to travel it's given me confidence uh you know i i've got a i've got a threshold for pain that uh, hitherto wasn't wasn't there <laughs> uh, i have i met my wife through running i've made incredible friends uh i've i've made a career out of it it's literally given me a a, a job um and uh i and yeah i i, I mean it's, it's so a career a family uh friends uh, you know, uh, traveling experiences, personal development. I mean, uh, literally life, everything, basically. basically, life, everything, yeah.
0: literally everything. So, if someone was yeah. listening to this now and they thought they were thinking about maybe strapping on their trainers and just going for a little bit of a jog, something that you probably think that they should do. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. And don't let the fact if you if you drop your CD player or whatever it is,
1: don't let that stop you. Don't uh, worry, don't uh, stop for going four out years. Again. Yeah, don't stop for four years. And uh, yeah, and it keeps you. It keeps you trim. I and mean, it's not just running. Like running for me is like default setting you know like when you turn on your watch and it tells you if you've got a certain type of watch you can have lots of different activities might be cycling or running or trail running or whatever so running is the one that first pops up on my on my watch and it's very much my sort of default setting for everything because it's you just take take a pair of trainers and a pair of shorts and you can pretty much it's easy isn't it it's easy whereas cycling is a little bit it's it's very rewarding because you go so far, but it's 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 more complicated. The mountain biking is even more complicated because then you've got to think about like washing your bike afterwards, and often you have to drive somewhere with your bike and then get out and go riding, and you know so. Or kayaking again, that involves some degree of admin because you have to get a, you know you have to you know the river has to be right or the weather has to be right or you know whatever. So so running is like just so easy, but but I like all the other things because yeah. I I firmly believe in variety, and um, you know if you just run all the time, it it, it can get a little bit boring. Yeah, and like like you said,
0: you said before, like, that you've kind of had those little runner slumps in your career, throughout your career, you've probably thought a few times, oh, I just don't want to do it right now, and you have done a lot of other stuff as well, and I'm sure that's where the thought that you wanted to do some triathlon stuff as well i know you've done a few iron and also like i've previously mentioned the norseman which i want to talk about a little bit in a second what was sort of the development from running to doing other activities like triathlon like kayaking and all that sort of stuff
1: that was in my my, my three-year developmental stage i, I call it <laughs> so so in sort of the 2008-2011 uh kind of development stage my training period should we call it um that's when i just tried anything so i did like the device to westminster you know i had never kite before but i thought i'd give that a go you know it was that was that was awesome again as a sort of mental physical challenge it was fun um you know, doing the the, the the Ironman stuff. And in fact, the Ironman came about uh, as a result of, a, I had a, one of my best friends from the Army, a guy called Phil. Uh, he and I always spoke about doing an Ironman together. And we both tried to enter one when we were in the Army. And then uh, we did it, the UK one. And then uh, we got called for, you know, going on ops. So we had to cancel it. So we couldn't do it. And we said, right, you know, we're still going to do one one day. And we both left the Army on the same day. And we so decided the following, uh, two years later, to, to to sign up for the... For the um, 2010 UK Ironman, and so we did it together. So that was that was our kind of rationale for, for doing an Ironman. And then the following year, uh, my kind of journalism picked off, and I got uh, I got offered a, a column uh, a column in a in a triathlon magazine called Triathlete's World, which is no longer, but the, it was the sister publication of Runners World and uh and that's when i suddenly you know so i'd entered the norseman i'd got through the ballot and uh and then i said oh would you like an article in the norseman like oh that'd be great so i was like oh. and then they phoned me up and said well, we've got an Ironman man coming up in spain in two weeks time would you like to do it i was like oh, all right cool <laughs> two weeks it was like, great yeah an, it'll be free all flights are paid for you just have to go and write about it after it's like oh, this is just brilliant of course i'll go and then, so yeah, and then and then I got another cha- offer to go and do Challenge Henley. So I ended up doing like three Ironman within about two months. Um, but but
0: I, I, <laughs> you must I have, have, I have been be,
1: knackered. I, I was quite tired, so I haven't done one since. Uh, it kind of uh, I thought, yep, done that, been there. Well, mate, you've done uh, four. And, uh, why we'll, not? You just like we'll, you, you we'll just we'll squeeze them
0: into quite a short period of time. Exactly. Talk exactly. to me about the Norseman then. Um, just explain a little bit about exactly what the Norseman is, and then talk to me about your experiences yeah. there because it does look absolutely insane like I entered the ballot this year unfortunately didn't get through but it's a race that I dream to do at some point oh man that ballot
1: so you will, you will know when you've entered the ballot and you're waiting for the results you have two feelings going on Excitement and terror. But not even excitement, sadness and terror. (laughs) Uh, It's it's on the one hand, you know, if, 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 if you get in, you're like, oh my God, I've got to do this ridiculously tough race. Where do I even start? And if you don't get in, you're sad. Uh, that you haven't got in and then you have this sense of relief that you (laughs) haven't got in so so no matter how you look at it you're kind of i don't know how how it turns out but you're only the only point you get to where you suddenly feel the sense of real like happiness is probably at the finish yeah um and uh but yeah so essentially it's i I mean to to me it's the it's the and it still remains the sort of the ultimate triathlon really when they first advised the race it wasn't about time uh it was really just about completing it uh and and what makes it hard is this kind of the 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 swimmers in a in a in a a freezing cold field so they take you out in a boat don't they they take you out in a boat you don't get any sleep because the boat you have to be ready by like one o'clock or something i seem to remember this and and i you know you can never get to sleep before a race especially when you know you have to get up at one o'clock and then you have to be kind of out the door by half one you have to be at the dock for like two o'clock and then you take this like two hour boat ride out and then at about four o'clock in the morning they shove you out of the ferry and you sort of jump off this uh this uh this i don't even know what it's called just basically jump off the boat but it's quite high you know it's about i don't know six meters up above above the water so yeah so this, it starts off this this very cold swim and i i jumped in and it's quite scary that initial point you're you're you know because once you're in you're there's no turning back is mm. there you're like in the middle of this freezing cold field and uh and i just remember sort of coming up for air and being blind i could not <sighs> see a thing and, and and i couldn't work it out until i remembered that i had uh, uh basically tinted goggles designed for very sunny swimming outdoor swimming <laughs> so not and it was dark you know Pitch it, it's black, dark freezing cold yes it's dark couldn't see a thing uh so I, I was like oh my god i couldn't even see where the start was because they told us that they had you had to swim to the start because there was a, a really cold um, glacial current coming in or whatever and so they couldn't they couldn't get us where they wanted to so we had to swim to the start so I mean, no one knew quite how far away the start was. It turned out it was 700 metres away. But we didn't know this. What? So anyway... I just remember arriving at the at the what was the supposed start where I just suddenly bumped into someone's you know, basically bumped into someone and I landed there. And I went, oh, you know, lifted up my goggles to kind of see where I was. Uh, and I was about to start moaning just to anyone who was willing to listen to me like, oh my God, you realise we just swum 700 metres odd? You know, I didn't know how long, but it would take me a while. And <laughs> I didn't even get time to like, didn't even get time to swear that the, the ship's horn uh, went off, which is the sign that the race is about to start. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't even had have time to, to relax. You know, there's no warm up go yes, that was the warm up, you know, and off we went, so uh so yeah, so i, I just swam and I, I tell you what i felt I felt good, you know i, I despite the fact I couldn't see anything, I could have not stop to kind of peer around and they had this flashing strobe like several kilometers away, you know three point eight kilometers away, and so I just kind of well, you'd already done seven hundred
0: meters. They should have well, taken yeah, that that, off, man. That did,
1: yeah, exactly. It didn't count, did it? So, so yeah. So anyway, I, I spluttered my way uh, out of the uh, out of the lake at the very end of out of the field, uh, and I was like, oh my god, I think I think I PB'd. I think that was just like it just felt so good. I felt good. Yeah, I felt strong, which is never happens and uh and so i asked them like how long i'd been and i don't remember the exact time but it was it was over two hours and i this this the you know i think the look of my my face was fairly drained already but i think i just suddenly went what it must be one of the last people out of the water but i wasn't there were still people who already quit actually and and uh and so it had been a particularly tough swim and then I discovered that I had been swimming uh, basically uh, upstream so uh, there was a sort of several currents and, uh, and I was in the wrong one ah. so I was essentially swimming in a wave pool uh, and uh, so yeah thus that my time had taken sort of double what it would uh, normally take so um, so anyway then yeah then you've got this like ridiculous uh, bike leg which is normally 180k but because they'd changed the swim and uh, I still don't quite understand why they'd, they'd decided to uh to extend it but anyway they made the, the the bike leg oh that's right because we came out from a different place in the lake and it was 20 kilometers away from the original kind of exit point in the lake and so then so yeah so they added 20k onto it uh and then you've got these five mountain passes and it's quite i think it's something like uh, i don't know three thousand plus meters yeah, there's exactly. quite a lot you know in a triathlon it's, that's quite a lot and uh and then that's not over then and then, then remember all this is self supported yes it's not like you have like aid stations i didn't have i was being a cheapskate cuz i was poor and i didn't have a sport crew so i was kind of like i'd i'd asked a few other people would i would they mind if i kind of borrowed a bit of their food when i when i flew past them so that's <laughs> what i had but if they weren't there cuz they were looking after other people i was i was screwed so so yeah so i just I had to keep on kept on going and um so I had basically nothing in me by the time I finished that tour de on the, on the bike. And uh, so that was about, I don't know, it took me about seven hours. So. I can't remember, seven or eight hours. I, I don't remember exactly. And so then we get to the run. So the run is like the first half is like flat. It's like a flat half marathon. So that was... That was not so bad, but it was hot, yeah. And uh, and again, I hadn't—I'd killed myself in the swim and the run uh, and the bike, sorry. And then, uh, so yeah, so I and I hadn't seen anyone to uh, get much fluid and food from. And and then you get to this thing called Zombie Hill. I seem to remember it's called Zombie Hill. Anyway, that's what's a name. What a name. <laughs> Well, Zombie Hill is 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 never ending. It just seems to go up and up and up, and it's just like a, a slow. It's not huge incline, but it's enough to bring you to a to a, to a Well, it brought me to a walk, and that's the point where I hit my 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 Norseman wall, should we say? And my, my that wall lasted for quite a lot, quite a long time, and uh, yeah, so about sixteen hours after I set off from that. I finally arrived at the top of this 2,000 metre high mountain uh, which has got a completely unpronounceable name so I won't even try and uh, (laughs) try and uh, try and ruin the Norwegian language uh, by trying to pronounce it and um so, uh, so yeah, so then I got to the top, I was absolutely knackered, I was freezing cold. And there should be this joyous moment of like, you know, popping champagne or whatever. And, and, uh, and all I wanted to do is get a blanket around my shoulders, eat my soup, and get in the lift. There's this like vertical shaft that takes you straight back down to the, to the buffet that's awaiting you back at the hotel. Uh, that's all I was thinking about. So I didn't even like take a selfie. I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't have a phone anyway. So, so, uh, so yeah, so I just like jumped off the mountain, got back to the buffet, felt Particularly I, I didn't feel like eating at like midnight. And so uh, so yeah, so then I God went to bed. <laughs> and <laughs> and you haven't dabbled that? you have dabbled in uh, Iron Man distance since, have you? Yeah, yeah. Well that was actually that was just before the Challenge Henley one. So, oh, okay. so then I, and then I just got, do another one. Yeah, like two weeks later. Then I knocked six weeks, six hours off my, my time. Oh my God. It just goes to show that that actually it's a pretty slow race. But uh, oh God, yeah, it so it was such an adventure. It was so much fun. And I, I, if I could get in again, I would do it. But I'd probably, I'd go and do some one of the others. Yeah. Uh, you know, life's too short to do the same race twice, I believe.
0: Not curtains quite yet on your triathlon career. Actually, I want to just talk about the uh, Marathon Establish quickly, the MDS, because yeah. you've been there a few times. Um, and I know you were the top British finisher at one point as well what was that race like to be a part of one of the most famous obviously multi-day marathons on planet earth it must have been Um, incredible
1: it it is incredible i mean it's it's both incredible and very incredible and very anticlimactic i mean it's it's got such a reputation uh that uh and it's, it's so difficult to know how to prepare for a race in the desert you know and that's why people do it it's the it's that sense of adventure it's so remote from anything that anyone has normally ever done before and um and so yeah so it was the it was the race I entered uh literally on the day I left the army like a few days afterwards and uh, me and my mate Phil we both entered on the same day it's 2008 and that was for a place in 2011 so back then they had this ballot system which was a bit ridiculous where you had to you had a waiting list that was several years long and um so yeah so uh I had this sort of two and a half year Wait for this race. And when I first entered it, I had no idea about what I I I was capable of doing. And yeah, I wasn't a runner back then. I'd just left the army, and I'd started already training for as, a, as, sort of as my goal when I left the army to, 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 to kind of find a new identity. I entered an ultramarathon called the London to Brighton, which I'd always kind of fancied doing. And uh, so I was kind of starting to train for that and starting to lose a bit of weight and get fit. And then, then then it was like, right, we'll do the MDS. And so, yeah, so that two and a half year period where I was kind of building up for it, by the time I got there, I'd already done loads of other things and it wasn't quite such a shock. Um, but uh, but I had no idea how well I could do and and then yeah so suddenly find myself in the sort of top you know, top thirty, top twenty. It uh, kind of was kind of weird mm. uh, and, and exciting, and uh, and and it gave me a real sense of uh, yeah, a huge sense of uh, a boost to my confidence, basically. Yeah. Um, but it's an amazing race. I mean, the, the, anyone who stood in that start line with the with the with whatever it is, I can't remember the music now—it's Metallica or whatever it is—is blazing out on the, on the head on the speakers. It's it is a very emotional. Race and it just so happened, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm small, I'm like five foot five. I, I could barely reach the top shelf of my kitchen cupboard, you know. And yet, somehow, I discovered I can run through deserts. I mean, that's like so not useful, um, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty
0: useless superpower, isn't it? Particularly, oh,
1: completely useless, <laughs> but 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 it was very useful for that, those those sort of yeah, five, I, five, unless you're doing the
0: MDS and then it's incredibly in the MDS. incredibly useful. So, looking forward to the future now, mate. Like, what do you want to do? You've done so many. Things in your past, you've done so many multi-day events, you've done so many day events, you've done so many ultras, you've done triathlon. Is there anything that you look at now and think, I need to do that?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's still stuff. I mean, I've pretty much ticked the box on like types of event from, you know, wife carrying to obstacle course racing to, you know, mud running to whatever it is, you know, I've kind of done it. But there are certain events that still have an allure to me. So um, you know, ones that I kind of keep looking at with this sort of, i keep, you know, I look at the website too often for my wife's uh, happiness, we say. Um, so the, the Tour de Géant uh, is one that kind of keeps kind of reoccurring in my mind, which is a, uh, a sort of, Three hundred, whatever kilometer uh, race uh, across the uh, across the the Alps uh, in Italy. Um, so that's kind of a scary one, um, and it's got like a sorry, like twenty five thousand meters of climbing, and it's it's very nails. Uh, it's non stop, and then uh, so that's definitely high on the lift. I, I I have this 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 sadistic urge, despite saying I would never want to do it. Why would you possibly want to do it? There's a little bit of me now starting to say. Uh, well, in fact, my
0: wife said, "I can tell that you don't even want to say it."
1: <laughs> no, I don't even want to say it because because she was listening. She, she, someone mentioned it on something we were listening to. An, in fact, a podcast the other day, and and someone talked about it, and she said, well, "Why would anyone want to do that? You wouldn't want to do it would you Tobias." And I was like, "Yeah." And, and so we're talking about the the, the Barclay Marathons, and uh, right, okay, and, no. and yeah, it's just started to kind of itch. Just stop. I'm not I feel as so though
0: it's one of those things, the Barclay, that if there is even an inkling of wanting to do it you want to do it. It's one of those things that you're just going to have to scratch at some point because you'll regret it, won't you, if you don't try yeah.
1: it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> that,
0: <one's>, that, <laughs> that, that one That one. just sounds like type three fun
1: throughout. You know, it, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't sound like fun. And I like having fun. I mean, I, come out, I like to find this at 1.75 fun sweet spot. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, but I'm I, I, not this year. But you know, when, I, when my child is a little bit older, the second one, um, we might be able to uh, get that pink slip authorised. Um, I'm I'm as soon as the entries open, it might even be open by now. There's a race happening on the horizon uh, that I'm I'm trying to negotiate uh, with the with the uh, uh, the powers that be, uh, the long haired general, uh, called the Trans Pyrenean Race. It's a, it's essentially a bikepacking adventure across the Pyrenees. So Amazing. it's the same guys that organise the Transcontinental Race. Uh, this is their their new one that michael was trying to kind of create a couple of years back before he he passed away and it's a it's a it's a double traverse of the pyrenees so it's a it's a there and back um <laughs> and uh 1500k and the ridiculous amount of, of, of elevation gain on a bike or bike packing so it's self-supported that sort of stuff and since i live in the pyrenees it's kind of almost too good uh to not do it and uh it's on october so that's kind of like a quiet period for me so that's 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 if i can if I could get, I'm just going to enter and not tell her, and I think that's the best thing. <laughs> and then just get to October and say, "I'm just going off next week. Do you mind?" And uh, and then uh, and then yeah, and then, again, I, I haven't quite got the, the, the permission to do this. It's very difficult trying to try and get time away when you have kids, yeah. but. Um, you know, weekends I can do, but when they start going into weeks, uh, then then uh, then it gets difficult. Uh, but yeah, the Paris-Brest-Paris is happening this year. Uh, it happens every four years. It's a twelve hundred kilometer uh, out and back from Paris-Brest to to Paris, uh, and it's Nordax, essentially, so a kind of like a bike packing event. Uh, it's fairly iconic, and the fact that it's happening this year is kind of cool. And I'm forty-two this year. That means the next time I get to do it, I'll be forty-six, which just sounds Much older, so 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 in your prime, mate. In your prime, in my prime, I'll be creaking more. I need more WD (laughs) forty by then, both my bike and me. Um, And uh, so yeah, so that's on my on my my kind of to do list, and and then some of the sort of biggies in the state, like the Western States or Leadville one hundred, that or Hard Rock. Those are kind of events I'd like to do, and uh, but yeah, those 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 are the ones I'm kind of staring at at the moment. And then there's some races in South Africa that I'd love to go back and I'd like to do another comrades um i've done a i've done a down which i hated every single downward step of it uh therefore i want to try the up because apparently that's easier um and uh and then uh and then yeah and then i'm tempted to go and do this patagonian man in december again, it's <laughs> this a mental of <laughs> list
0: of races is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and that it wind chime of medals is going to get bigger and your numbers that you've got somewhere the file of them is going to get bigger i just don't think you're going to yeah. stop mate i think you're going to just keep going aren't you
1: Yeah, the divorce settlement will get bigger as
0: well. I swear to you, I could have talked to Tobias for ages. So many incredible stories and so many adventures that he's been on. He's got a couple of really cool books, actually. You can check them out on his website, tobiasmuse.com. And we are going to have him back on Why in the World post his everest in the alps challenge for now make sure you are subscribed rate and review as well i will post it on instagram at ben shepherd 93 on sunday evening next week's guest so go and pop that a follow and please let us know your thoughts at ben shepherd is my twitter and my instagram i've just mentioned either of those i would love to hear from you i hope you enjoyed it if you did recommend it to a mate and i will speak to you next week